I do want to mention, hi Dottie, she's feeling better today, she's watching from home, so. <clears throat> And our first message brought to us by Ron Wilhoit, Remember the Gift. Well, I have to say hello to Dottie also. Dottie, we miss you. We love you. We are glad you are feeling, feeling better. Hello, everyone. I have to agree with Ken. And he said, the Sabbath after Thanksgiving, just another day to be thankful. Now, you might not agree with something that I heard spoken this week. I guess I could kind of see his point, you know. He said, you know, in Tulsa, you're not really spoiled for choice when it comes to radio. I said, yeah. I kind of see what you're saying, but I'm thankful for what we do have, is I haven't taken that extra step, that extra monthly payment that you got to get that serious satellite radio. It's available. I understand what he meant. But I was thankful for hearing something on one particular station that I heard on the radio this week. You know how there are, there's commercial funded Radio. And I'll tell you what, there is some heavy on the commercially funded radio in Tulsa. And then there, of course, is that radio which tends to lean more toward the listeners supporting the programming. Well, on one of the commercially funded stations, there was a commercial. I'm thankful that it wasn't for a candidate. It wasn't really promoting anything other than what are you thankful for was the question. And so you know how they can take a, a lot of information, a lot of talking with people, a lot of interaction and kind of compress it into about a one minute little blurb called a commercial. Well this station did a great job of that. In presenting the question, what are you thankful for? And then boom, 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 boom. And there was these, you know, multitude of answers. And I only got to hear the, you know, the commercial once, but I think that the number one that they played, at least, is that people were thankful for their family, country, came right behind that because at Thanksgiving we are very thankful as Ken prayed before we came out to start services. He's thankful for this country, for that day, to be thankful. Today actually called Thanksgiving Day. They were thankful for their jobs, thankful for the provision that God gives each of us to provide for our families and then one individual actually was thankful for Leonard Skinner. <laughs> and I think this is one thing of many things that Shannon Lee's mother was thankful for because she was thankful for Leonard Skinner. Family, job, this country. 
But as the commercial kind of wrapped up, it said, thankfulness is subjective. Thankfulness is subjective. And it is. But thankfulness is what? The courteous response to being given something. The courteous response to being given something. I remember as being as a youngster, and I was told, you better say thank you. It wasn't my natural reaction, even though I might be elated at receiving something. I had to be told that it's courteous and the right thing to do to say thank you. But how is appreciation best shown? It's not just by words. It's by your actions, and it's by your deeds. Sometimes you can't really get into a lot of actions and deeds to express gratitude when just a simple thank you will suffice, but you know what I mean. If we are thankful about something, if we are thankful for someone, it's best to show them. It's best to show them your gratitude and your appreciation. In fact, giving the prayer for our family Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving Day, when the house was full of so many people, and we're adding, praise God, we're adding to this group, I kind of got mm, stymied, I guess is the word. I really didn't know what to say. Because here I am surrounded by just an enormity of blessing. So something came out of, Father, just help us to have an attitude of thankfulness. An attitude of thankfulness that kind of overrides what we do, what we say, and how we behave and how we think. Is that overt? So I want somebody to know that I'm thankful. And it's matched by word. And it's matched by deed also. Because I want to be a conscientious recipient. I want to be a conscientious recipient and aware of the abundance of blessings. It's the enormity of blessings that each of us have and each of us share, and it's wonderful to get together at times and actually focus on that. Because so often in time, speaking just about myself, it's very easy for me to take people for granted, and it's also easy for me to take my blessings for granted. So praying for an overt attitude of thankfulness is something that I need. I want to start today by looking at David, whose name comes from Dod out of the Hebrew meaning beloved. Let's look at Psalm 69. And looking at some of these words over the past couple of days, I want to say that I'm very thankful to God enthroned for the Psalms because having them Knowing that we have them, I cannot imagine what life would be like without the psalms that we have. David says in Psalm 69, verse 30, David writes, I will praise the name of Elohim. In this case, God is it's Elohim in the original. I will praise the name of Elohim with a song. And we do that. 
we praise the name of God in song. But I love this second bit. And I will magnify him with thanksgiving. I will praise the name of God with a song and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Now verse 31 answers a question in asking and seeking and knocking when we're wondering what is it that I could do to please God? What is it that I could do? Oftentimes we're being told just looking in the wrong place. I will praise the name of Elohim with a song, and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bullock that has horns and hooves. So magnifying him with thanksgiving pleases him. It's the exact words of Jesus. What he did, what his mission was, was to please the Father in what he said and what he did at all times. So magnifying him with thanksgiving pleases him, but in your mind and in your heart as you read that, how do you do that? How do we magnify him with thanksgiving? Knowing that it pleases him, how do we magnify him with thanksgiving? Now we remember the one who stood there, Scripture says he stood there and prayed with himself. Let's see if this would do it. He stood there and prayed with himself and he said, Oh God, I just want to thank you I'm not like other men. I just want to thank you, God, that I'm not like this adulterer over here, this extortioner over here, or this unjust person over here. Yeah, and God, I want to thank you I'm not like this guy over here who is magnified in that thanksgiving. But we think of Jesus as they took away the stone, right, at Lazarus' tomb. What did he say? Scripture says he lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. It's magnified with thanksgiving in acknowledging the fact in thanksgiving that the Father heard him. Well, after the Psalms of Moses in Psalm 90, these words of Moses, incredible words of Moses. I want to look at Psalm 92. Psalm 92 in verse 1, it says, It is a good thing. See, that answers another question, doesn't it? What do I do? Help me out. I want to please God. I want him to be happy with me. I want to be like my Savior. Psalm 92 one says, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. It's just a little bit slight variation of what we read in Psalm 69. 
It's good to give thanks unto the Lord, to sing praises unto His name, to show forth, in verse 2, to show forth. To show forth, is that kind of, is that an overt attitude of thankfulness? If you're showing forth something? To show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and to show forth thy faithfulness every night. Who is magnified in this? Of course, it is him. Now, look how this psalm is, is titled before verse 1. If you've got it in your scripture, it's interesting to me. I think Ken was on the same line of thought this morning or this afternoon when we were meeting before service. Before Psalm 92 verse 1 says, hang on, but before you start off on this, you've got to remember something about Psalm 92. It's a psalm or song for the Sabbath day. So knowing that, Psalm 92 is a psalm or song for the Sabbath day. Then he writes, it's good to give thanks. Have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered why this psalm was written for the Sabbath day? I texted a buddy of mine this question and I haven't gotten the answer back. He might be trying too hard. Why is it that Psalm 92 is a psalm for the Sabbath day, which begins with what? It's good to give thanks. I think the answer is in Exodus 16.29. I think this is the answer. Exodus 16.29. Just that first bit there. See... For that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. See that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. And a psalm for the Sabbath day begins. It's good to give thanks unto the Lord. Something to think about in thinking about an attitude of thankfulness. Your response to blessing, your response to the gifts that we've been given, to know that this day, the Sabbath day, was given, and the psalm for the Sabbath day begins with giving thanks. Now, you're probably full of turkey, I did see an interesting little bit on the news about how they actually make a turducken. Has anyone here had a turducken? It's an interesting concoction. Bird within bird within bird. Slice it up. Have some turducken. Put some on bread next day. Have a sandwich. But here's the quiz. Don't be too full of casserole. Boy, I was yesterday talking to Matt. Matt, brother, I'm with you. I think it was just that anticipation 
of Thanksgiving, anticipation of, of just being with each other, anticipation of knowing you're going to eat, kind of unlike you do normally, but you will pay for that. And it's usually in kind of some, some slumber. I know it was for me. But as you think about some of these things, here in Exodus 16, verse 29, where is the first time in Scripture that we find the word Sabbath? 76, 76, Shabbat from Scripture. Where's the first time we find that? I had someone tell me, well, that's in Genesis. I said, no, keep going. It's actually just a few verses from where we are right now in Exodus 16.23. As we look at Exodus 16.23, because what this is is this, the divine definition of this gift, right? Exodus 16, verse 29 says, See, for that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. And a few verses before that, Moses said unto them, This is that which the Lord hath said. Tomorrow is, this is what it is. It's the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. What I call the first gift of rest. The first gift of rest. Now it's been a few weeks, but I went over some scripture in Exodus because I'm kind of just, my heart and my mind are stuck searching, reading, studying Exodus 3 through the end of the chapter. The revelation of the eternal unto Moses with the bush. I am that I am, and what was then to transpire in Exodus. But what is amazing, that there's this in, incredible expanse of time, okay? We have an expanse of time that's bookended. It's bookended by Exodus 24.12, which I want to look at first. Exodus 24.12. Then this expanse of time, which you're familiar with all that transpired in this, to some degree or another, but what closes this expanse of time is which we will get to next is Exodus 31:18. But there's a reason I want to bring this out. In Exodus 24 verse 12, which we reviewed some time ago, this first bookend. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there. Notice. And I will give you, I will give you tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written that you may teach them. Spend the rest of the day just on that verse. You need to meditate about that verse. But what we find in Exodus 31, 18, after this expanse of time, in the process of time, we get to Exodus 31, verse 18. Here it is again. And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, 
tables of stone. It's very important. Very important. Written with the finger of God. Now, why I brought that back out is that I got to visit my mother some on Thanksgiving Day. And uh, she let me know of some papers, some things that she's going through. As, as you know, we do. We collect things, and there comes a time when you need to go through those things and in hopes of maybe downsizing a little bit, I guess. We can only accumulate so much before it's time to... She's doing that. She came across a very interesting piece of paper. I'd have to say it's about 46 years old. And she brought it. And uh, what it was about 45 years ago, a kid in church needed to draw, and his grandmother gave him her sermon notes that she had been working on. And you know, 45 years is that's a while back. You know, some of you in this room aren't even close to being 45. But after all of these things have been on my mind since before the feast, about this with Exodus, about Moses and the revelation of the eternal unto Moses and everything that happened and what he did with those two verses in Exodus 16 and Exodus 24, to be given this that my grandmother, my mom's mom, my dear grandmother Goldie, eh, It's important to me. She, she's writing about Exodus and she's writing about Moses. Before some certain time, she says, Well, here, little Ron, draw your cartoons. But where she ended, just, well, let me read what she, she, how she ended her notes before she gave me the paper. Because really, all I've been able to think about for almost two days at 48 hours because there's a huge, profound significance in what she wrote. And it's really what I've been trying to convey for months. And she did it in a sentence. Where she writes, God handed Moses the Ten Commandments. He handed them to him. and gave them to Moses. How can you get any more personal in gift giving than to hand somebody something? It's incredible to think of the personal gift that we have that was handed to Moses. These two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. We know what happened to the first set. The first set that was given together full. Here, Moses. We know what he did with those. So he had to go back to work and he'd carve him out a couple more and take them up there and he wrote it again. But he wrote, of course, the Sabbath. But he also wrote the word, remember. And that's what we are to remember. We are to remember what we read in Scripture, that the Sabbath is a gift. And we have to remember this gift of rest. 
at all times and be thankful. Because what did the psalmist say? It's a good thing. We all want to be good, don't we? <laughs> it's the first gift of rest because there is a second. The second gift of rest. Now, we talked about that book-ended expanse of time. I need to jump to Exodus 33 because I want to look at that second gift. Second gift. Because you have to remember on Mount Sinai, the word Shabbat was heard. Okay? And then he wrote it twice. But that word remember came before it in the hearing and the seeing. We have to remember that it is a gift. Exodus 33 begins. Exodus 33 is such an incredible chapter. I want to just begin at the first and read up to a point to where we will see this second gift of rest. Context is everything in this when you realize this is post-golden calf. I just took a drink of really cool water. It tastes great. They had to drink something that probably didn't taste that good. When the result of the ornaments and the earrings and everything that was thrown in and then out jumps this calf and tomorrow is a feast unto the Lord. There you go. Well, we're going to burn it. We're going to put it into powder. Then we're going to stew that powder and you're going to have a drink. It's incredible. Incredible. Post-golden calf, Exodus 33, verse 1 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart. And go up hence, you and the people which you have brought up out of the land of Egypt. That little subtle, take your people. You know those ones you brought? Get. Had it. If this doesn't, you know, I'm going to get to it, but I tell you, I just want you to be ready to just maybe have a glimpse of the enormity of the loving kindness and tender mercies and faithfulness that we should show forth in thanksgiving to our Father. It's amazing. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and get up hence you and the people which you hast brought out of the land of Egypt unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Notice, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, colon, for I will not go up in the midst of you. For you are a stiff-necked people, lest I consume you in the way. Well, that's the bailout point right there. I don't know that in all of that Moses dealt with, to have heard that one, to have said, what? I'm not going up in the midst of you, lest I consume you in the way. Imagine there was some quietness. Until... What? And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, I bet. And no man did put on him his ornaments. Just didn't feel like getting dressed up. 
For the Lord had said unto Moses, saying to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of you in a moment and consume you. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from you, that I may know what to do unto you. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. Now, this is really... Makes you think a little bit. I mean, things get bad. This was bad. But notice what Moses does. In the midst of this, he's still got something in him. You know, he's the man of God. As begins Psalm 90. He's the man of God. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. I love this. And the Lord talked with Moses. In the midst of it all, what does Moses do? He takes the tabernacle away from the camp and goes in there. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaks unto his friend. See, that's where we want to be. We sing that hymn, right? I'll be a friend to Jesus. So in being a friend, we have to magnify him with thanksgiving. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaks unto his friend. And he turns again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Now, I wanted to get to this verse, Exodus 33, verse 12. After that expanse of time, bookended by those two verses about being given the tablets of stone, written with his very finger, the whole calf incident, everything like this, being told that he's not going to go with us lest he wipe us out, to then take the tabernacle outside the camp, go in there, and now speaking face to face as a man speaks unto his friend, Moses said, See, thou sayest unto me, he says, Remember? See, you said unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know you by name. And thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight. But this is an incredible bit of verse right here. And I want you to consider that this nation is your people. 
verse 14. There wasn't really a lot said to get to this. There was some action. It wasn't probably the easiest thing to do to take the tabernacle out there and to do all of this. Exodus 33, verse 14 says, And he said, My presence shall go with you, and I'll give you rest. And Exodus 33, verse 15 is probably a place we've all been at one time in our lives. I know I have many times, and we all have, and I've said it from here many times. Exodus 33, 15 is one of my favorite verses in Scripture because of what Moses says. If your presence does not go, does not go with me, don't even carry me up from here. I don't want to take one more step without knowing that your presence is not with me. If your presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. And that's really an incredible attitude of thanksgiving and really the proverb, in a nutshell, the acknowledgement of our complete dependence and reliance upon him at all times, magnifying him with thanksgiving for what he's done, what he is doing, and what he will do. But this incredible second gift of rest, as we examined in a previous message, that prophet of Deuteronomy 18, down to the exact words, Jesus fulfills that. Fulfills it to the very words. But who said this also? Of course, it was our Savior. And he says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's that presence, it's that second gift of rest. And it's really how to best enter the rest of the Sabbath, that first gift of rest, knowing that each of us are intimately engaged with the very presence of the one who gave the Sabbath in the first place. Is knowing that his presence is in what he gives us, okay? His presence is in the gifts he gives us. I'm going to close here. Uh, Jesus, after he said this, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, learn of me, right? Learn of me and you shall find rest for your souls. Now that is the antidote for the anxieties of the heart that Curtis examined last Sabbath in the words of Jesus. The antidote is to come unto him and find the rest. But also he says, learn of me and you will find rest for your souls. So the question we have to ask, how is the, how is the best way to learn about Jesus. What is the best way to learn of him? Because it's his presence. It's the indwelling, rest-giving presence of the chief shepherd. It's the wellspring of wisdom. It's the fountain of life. So let us magnify him with thanksgiving and have this attitude of thankfulness.